Uh, we have, and I don't want to use the word finished, Esther, because there's never a finish to any of the books of the Bible. We never get it all out. In fact, we could probably go back through and get about as much as we did this time. But we are we're going to be not studying Esther for a while again. And, uh, you know, when, when it came time to find a book at that time, and I kind of shared this with you last Wednesday, that uh, I don't know how it happens, but I go and read the list of Bible, books of the Bible. I have a list of them, and I go down through there, and uh, the last few times that we've looked for a place to go, they have just stood out on the page. And uh, Zechariah, Esther was that way. And it came time when I was on the, on the boat in my uh, sabbatical time studying, and I knew we had come to a conclusion of the book of Esther, and I started looking for another book to go. And this book of, of Judges just popped off the page. And I read through the book of Judges, and then I started looking for another place to go. Because the book of Judges has... There is such an evidence of the fall in the book of Judges. I'm telling you. I, I just, just uh, after reading the book, and, and I started looking for, enough, for something else to go to, the, this book of Judges came out again. And so we're going to spend some time in the book of Judges. And uh, the book of Judges is the history of all peoples according to their natural state and some statements about the unrestrained by grace. That's really what we're going to find here. A people unrestrained by grace, uh, the children of Israel. And it's really the history of the world. It's in a microcosm. It's the history of all people in a very small, compact place. We're going to be allowed to see many things in this book of Judges, the, and mainly the results of man's will. We're going to find those verses of Scripture in this book that say that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And uh, there is a way that seemeth good unto man, but the ends of there are the ways of death. So we're going to find that through this, through this book. Uh, it is uh, just compact with information about the fall, and our concluding statement tonight will be, and I'm going to read it ahead of time, we will have before us in this study total depravity. We will have in this study sovereign grace. And we'll have in this study salvation of and by the Lord only. And so that's the same truths that we find throughout all the scriptures. Now, the book of Judges are mentioned by name in several other places in the Bible. And I'd like to read uh, those places that will kind of uh, catch us up. And the first one was a surprise to me, and it shouldn't be. I should have known this. But the book of Ruth, would you turn with me to the book of Ruth tonight, which is the next book after the book of Judges in our canon. And the book of Ruth, what a declaration of Christ and his church. But in the very first verse of the first chapter, we find the uh, timeline of the book of Ruth. And it says here, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. So the book of Ruth is during that period of time. And during that time, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, 
went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now, we know the rest of the story, but this is all by the providence of God. It, weather is not by chance. Weather is a factor of God. He is the author of weather. And I find myself sometimes having to bite my tongue because I complain about the weather, and in essence, I'm complaining about the providence of God. So weather is of God, and he, ha- he can choose to send us snow, or he could choose to not send us any moisture at all. He's in charge of it. So we find here in the book of Ruth that it was at the time of the judges, and it doesn't tell us which judge was taking care of business at that time, but it was during that time that there was a famine, and we have... As we have read in the past, we have God moving some people who know something about the gospel to a place that doesn't know anything about the gospel because he has at least one elect person there, Ruth. And so we rejoice in that, how God moves his people using circumstances, and this happened to be by weather. And if you'll turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel, we again have a reference to the book of Judges, and this has to do with the... the uh, uh, Passover. In the book of Judge, uh, 2 Samuel, excuse me, that's in Kings. We're going to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 10, we have this statement about the book of Judges that we're going to be spending a little bit of time in. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 10 and 11, it says here, Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before times. And as since that time, I commanded judges to be over my people Israel. We're having a refresher course on the history of Israel. And after Joshua is gone and after the those who were in Joshua's period of time, his generation were gone. We have these people appointed by God. They're called judges. We have them appointed by God to deal with the children of Israel. And we're going to find out that the children of Israel demonstrate something that all of us do. And that is we fell in Adam. In Adam, all died. And there is nothing that we can do to get out of the problem that we're in. We have one that does and can, and we're going to read about him. So it tells us here in verse 11 of 2 Samuel chapter 7, it says, And as since that time I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies. Also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. So we have some history brought up, and part of that history is the history of the judges, the book of Judges that God gave. In Travel with me just a little further to the book of 2 Kings. This is the passage that shares with us about the Passover, 2 Kings chapter 24. 2 Kings chapter 24 and, excuse me, chapter 23, 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 21. There's a reference here again to the judges. Judges were common knowledge among the children of Israel a period of time between Joshua and the kings, between Joshua and Saul, the king. We're going to have judges come up from time to time, appointed by God. And here in the book of 2 Kings chapter 23, 
And there in verse 21, it says, And the king commanded all the people, saying, Keep the Passover unto the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of his covenant. Surely there has not holden such a Passover from the days of the judges that judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel, nor in the kings of Judah, but in the eighteenth year of King of the of King Josiah, wherein this Passover was holden to the Lord in Jerusalem. So he's making reference here. The author of the book of Second Kings, and we know that author is the Holy Spirit. The author of this refers us back to the time of Judges and said there was never a Passover like this Passover. Now, one of the things that I noticed when we studied this was that this Passover was the Passover that the king provided all the lambs. And it really refers to God, the king, preparing and giving the Lamb of God as our Passover. So it made it tremendous. It made a a difference. It was a great Passover that they had at that time. And so the judges are mentioned. So we have Ruth mentioned in the time of the judges. And in 2 Samuel, it is written there that God sent them judges. And here we read about there's never been a Passover since all the judges until this time. Well, uh, not enough has been said yet because we need to go to the New Testament. And in the book of the book of Acts in the New Testament, this book is also mentioned, the Acts of the Judges. In Acts chapter 13, we have this recorded about the judges. They are appointed by God, they're men and one woman appointed by God to lead the children of Israel. Now, most of the time, we're going to find out that God opened the gates for the enemy to come in, and when the children of Israel cried out, he would send them a judge to throw off that persecution. And uh, we'll notice that from t- as it goes through the book of Judges. But here in the book of Acts chapter 13, and there in verse 20, Acts chapter 13 and verse 20, and after that he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. Now, we could call Eli and Samuel judges too because they were called that. They're not mentioned in this book, but they're mentioned in the book after the book of Judges. So we find that through the scriptures, this subject is brought up about God sending them judges. It was a a position that God raised up. Now, in the book of Hebrews, we have four of the judges mentioned by name. So would you join me in the book of Hebrews chapter 11? And as we go through here, we might say that at least three out of the four judges that are mentioned here in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 are most unlikely to be recorded here. And if this was written today and we found our name here, which we could, we would find ourselves most unlikely to be here. Now, in the book of Judges, there's four kings, four judges mentioned. And here in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, we have four judges mentioned that uh, the author brings out in this great chapter about faith. These four in chapter 11 and verse 32, chapter 11 and verse 32. And what shall I more say? Now, we can start at the very beginning, read down through here what faith is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
We read about Abraham. There's not one word about him lying. We read about his wife. There's not one word about her not having faith that she could have a child. There's nothing about David. There's nothing about the others. And so it is under the blood of Christ, under the mercy seat, sin is put away. And we are thankful for that. Well, here we read about four men. For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. So these four men, judges, that we're going to find in the book of Judges, and I read about them and I read this and I say, my goodness, what grace, what grace. Jephthah promised to offer to God the first thing that came out of his house. And it was his daughter. And what in the world would... Well, as we get there, we'll study that. I've had preachers say that that he actually didn't do that. It was just just talked about and used as symbolism. Well, that's not what the Word of God says. We're going to have to stick with it. All right, they tell of these judges. The judges are the times from Joshua to Saul period of 450 years is what we read in the book of Acts. That's the time period. It is after going into the land. It is after parsing up the land. It is after Joshua, that great leader, a picture of Christ, is going to die. And that's what we find in the very beginning of the book of Judges. Uh, Some just call the book of Judges a book of history. Yet it is sufficient to demonstrate that the faithfulness of God and his word and his promises. He promised. Now, he has a covenant. Now, the covenant that he made with national Israel is so illustrated here, and you know what? He does not have to keep his part because they regarded it not. But so often we find that he continues to bless them. And, you know, to me that is just... It's hard to understand after so many times that God would continue to bless these people. Uh, I just ask myself upon reading this book, how in the world could the Lord overlook and pass by Israel's departure so many times? There's 12, 13, or 14 different times mentioned in this book over 450 years that they just departed from God and willfully departed from God. And then, you know, we realize there is a reason, and that is the elect. God did not wipe them off of the face of the earth for good reason. There is his elect. And many of them were among the Jews. Now, as we follow this out, this whole thing is because of the elect. The Messiah is in the loins of Judah. We must protect that issue. We must protect that. And God is going to, even though Judah is in the middle of the nonsense that the rest of the tribes are in. They disobey God just as much as everybody else. But God is going to protect his elect in every age. They must be born, they must grow up, they must hear the gospel, and he must give them the new birth. That is an absolute must. 
God has purposed that from the very beginning. Not one of his people will be lost. He will save them all. So we're going to find out that this is one of the reasons that he overlooked all of the nonsense that was going on, just like he did with Adam and Eve. You know, some would say he should have just wiped them out. Well, he had his elect in them. He'd already had a people written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and he must have them come into the world. So the Messiah was in the loins of Judah. We know that. He's of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, we're introduced just briefly, not, not another time in Scripture, but we're introduced to a lady in Luke chapter 2, and it says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 36, that one of the reasons that so long before this, God overlooked and did not just wipe them off the face of the earth, there's going to be many that die. There's going to be many that are, that are taken in battle. There's going to be many that are, uh, die in unbelief, just like we found them in the wilderness. But here we read in Luke chapter 2 and verse 36 that there is a lady in the, uh, in the time of Christ. She's at witnesses him at eight days of age in the temple. And it says here, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanel of the tribe of Asher. Now, we don't find Asher very often in the Old Testament. After Leviticus, after Numbers, but here we have her come through the line of Asher. She, we're going to find out that that tribe doesn't have any good qualities about them. They all are depraved. But we have this one lady, and it says she was of great age, and she lived with her husband 70 years from her virginity. And this was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instance gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She saw him. Simeon saw him. And she's one of those that God marked out from the beginning of the world to come. All right, turn with me to the book of Romans. We're going to run into this, this tribe in the book of Judges a number of times, and it's the tribe of Benjamin. Why didn't God just take care of them, put them all out? None of them knew God. None of them came after God. None of them looked for God. None of them are just, they're just depraved people like you and I. But here in the book of Acts, or excuse me, Romans chapter 11, in Romans chapter 11, we're introduced to somebody that came from the tribe of Benjamin. And in Romans chapter 11 and verse 1, we read this. Now, the Holy Spirit use Saul of Tarsus, Paul as we know him, to be the secretary to write much of the New Testament. This book is included. Now, they're not the words of Saul of Tarsus. They're not the words of Paul. He was the secretary. The Holy Spirit moved on him to write these books. And they're contained in the canon because they are inspired books. And it says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? Now, as I read through there, I wonder, why didn't he? Well, Paul brings that subject right up. 
He says, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, when we go through the book of Judges, we're going to find out that there was a bunch of Benjamites that were just worthless, except they were protected to bring somebody like Saul of Tarsus into this world. God's great grace. He has a book filled with all those that he is going to save in time. And when that book, all of them are brought into this world and all of them are saved, then this world is going to be wrapped up and it's going to be over. And we'll before God, be before God and there will be the right hand and the left hand. And God is going to not change judgment. He's going to exercise judgment at that time. Come ye welcome to the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world and depart from me. That is what's going to be said. So we have, we have uh, Anna of the tribe of Asher. We have Paul of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, in the book of, uh, of Revelation, we have all of the tribes mentioned except two of them. In the list in the book of Revelation, Levi is mentioned. Nowhere else is he mentioned in the Old Testament. He's mentioned as not even inheriting. Got cities. But in the book of Revelation, we have... Uh, 12,000 out of the tribe of Levi. Amazing. God is going to save all his people. And that's what that 144,000 indicates. We're brought to this again, the words of the Lord, when we study the book of Judges. So if you would, we've gone here many times, but I want to go there again. And it's in the 24th chapter of the book of Luke. You know where I'm going. This passage of scripture changed my ministry. And that was, we read this many, many years ago, and I made a comment. I wish we had that message. I wish we had it. Because the Lord brings out here in the book of Luke, chapter 24, chapter 24, verse 25. Luke, chapter 24, and verse 25. It says, and he said unto them, now this is two to road to Emmaus. They're downcast, and most of the disciples were at that time. They thought. <laughs> I thought it would be like this. Peter said, or the disciples said, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> they thought. But what we think and what God is going to do often is so different. So it tells us here in the book of Luke chapter 24, then, verse 25, Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart. Now I'm convinced that this is, as Brother Mike brought out in a lesson one time, that this is a term of endearment. How would God be able to call us fools and slow of heart when whatever he wants us to have must be revealed anyway. This is a term of endearment. That's what we are by nature. And we are dependent upon the Lord. What did he tell Peter when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God? Jesus says, don't get in big pants about this. You didn't get this from going to Sunday school, and you didn't get this in your study at home, and you didn't get this in theology class. My Father, reveal this unto you. This was revealed to you. And that's what 
the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is what the new birth is all about, to reveal to us the Lord Jesus Christ. So here he said, O fools and slow of heart to believe all the th that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now I remember reading that in a Bible study and saying, I wish we had that message. That night I went home, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I says, we do, we do. And that has caused me to be most of my ministry in the Old Testament because that's all Paul had, that's all Jesus had, that's all the disciples had, that's all we had for about 100 years after the birth of the Lord Jesus, and maybe longer. So we had the Old Testament, and guess what? They began at the same place and preached unto them Jesus, just like we read that the, the uh, uh, Philip shared with the Ethiopian eunuch. He began at the same place and preached unto him Jesus. So we have this, and part of that is the book of the Judges. So while we go through here, we're going to find out that there is a great problem among the Israelites, and it's depravity. They are fallen in Adam. They're dead in trespasses and sin. And, you know, when we get to thinking about it, there's probably, we shouldn't even think that they should do anything different. They don't have the capabilities or capacity. They cannot trust Christ to the saving of their soul without, first of all, hearing the gospel. And then that belief or that faith has to be given to them. And if you'll look with me in the same chapter, as we go down, drop down to verse 44, in chapter, the second, 24th chapter of the book of Luke, again, we find in verse 44 that he's meeting with his disciples. And he brings up the exact same subject. He says here in verse 44 of the book of Luke chapter 24, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that all these things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Now I pray that as we go through the book of Judges that he would open up the scriptures to us, that he would cause to see us more than just some historical events about some real sad people doing some real bad things and then God comes along and brings them out of the mess that they're in. I hope we can see. And he opened their understanding, and then in verse 46, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. So, as we go through the book of Judges, I pray that we too will be able to see the things of Christ in this book. It is in the Bible. It is God's word. And the Bible is a spiritual book. If we read it for history, that's all we can see. If we have the indwelling of the spirit, if we have the revelation of Jesus Christ, we'll be able to see beyond that shadow, that pale, and be able to see that this is a message of Christ saving his people from their sins. We will run into total depravity. It is so apparent in this book, but we've also found it in the book of Numbers, haven't we? 
And we found it in the book of Luke, and we found it in the book of Acts, and we found it wherever we go, that natural man fell in Adam and is dead in trespasses and sin. In Adam, all died. Now, if we want to argue with that, we're arguing with the Word of God. But a lot of people want to. Okay, as we look here, we find all the scriptures that were written by Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. And you know, that word psalm in that passage of scripture is in small case. It isn't capital P. And it meant the songs in the Song of Solomon, the Lamentations, Job, a number of the Old Testament books are contained in that because they were written in poetic fashion. And very seldom do we find poets using literal language. It's figurative speech. And the Bible is written in spiritual language. In spiritual language. Now, as we look at this, left to ourselves, we would never have any interest in coming to Christ just like we're going to read about them. There is no... Now, we'll get religious, and we'll get promoted, and we'll move here and move there. I was visiting with Brother Dwayne today, and he said, how are things going? I said, I've never been happier. I am where I'm supposed to be. I'm not looking to go anywhere else. I love it here. And though we may not have the large numbers, it doesn't discourage me one bit. I know that those are there, are there appointed. It's not my, it's not because of me, it's because of the Lord. So we, we're just going to move on and the Lord will do his business. All right, left to ourselves, we would never have any interest in coming to Christ. Read with me, if you would, the book of John chapter 15. John chapter 15, as we find that this subject is going to be so prevalent throughout the book of of judges. As we study the book of Judges, why don't they have any more interest? They can't. It's an impossibility. By nature, we don't have any interest in God. We'll do everything we can to be religious, but we will not follow the God of heaven. We can't follow his word. We can't keep his law. We can't keep his word. We have an impossibility. So here in the book of John chapter 15, John chapter 15 and verse 4, I believe it is. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. What a statement. And in a lot of ways, that sums up a big bulk of the book of Judges. Without me, ye can do nothing. Now, God is merciful and gracious and will raise up somebody to throw off the oppressor. And time and time again, he repeats this, and we find out that those that are raised up to throw off the oppressors are pictures, types, and shadows of the one who was raised up to throw off the oppressor, sin, death, hell, and the grave, to deal with that, our natural estate, in such a complete way 
that we get to live in Christ Jesus, know his love for us, and know that he has a purpose and he's carrying it out. As we follow this through, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17. As we think about what's going to happen in the book of Judges, it's going to be the same thing that we find everywhere else. We find it in the book of Numbers. Why did those 10 10 spies come back with a bad report? Because that's the best they could do. They couldn't do anything else. They didn't know God. They didn't know the God of of heaven. They didn't know his word. They didn't trust him. They didn't believe him. They may have made mouth service, <laughs> mouth lip service, but they didn't have any heart service in it. And they came back and, well, and then when God judged them, he says, oh, oh, we have a change of heart. We have a change of heart. We'll go do it. Well, here in the book of Jeremiah, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. This is what we're going to run into all through the book of Judges. We ran into it, the book of Numbers. We ran into the book of Leviticus. We run it in the book of, of Judges. Run into it the book of Luke. Run it in the book of Jude. Wherever we go, we're going to find this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now that word desperately, desperately means incurable. We can't take a potion to get rid of it. We can't go through a process to get rid of it. It has to, We have to be given a new heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, we don't know where this part is of us, so it's hard to deal with. It's in us. It's our mind. It's our actions. It's our thoughts. I really appreciate it. I didn't appreciate it at the time, but I appreciated it afterwards. The message, one of the messages that Pastor Mayhem brought, that you're not a, a robber because you robbed a bank. You're a robber before you robbed the bank. It's something you took, thought about in your heart. And so that is with all of us in all things. It's our nature. So the heart is deceived. We're going to see that people in this book of, not, of Judges, is their heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And yet there are times that God will bring people out of that nonsense that they got themselves into by raising up a judge. Now there's one true judge. Jesus Christ the righteous. And these various people that we're going to run into are going to represent this one who raises up his people. All right, turn with me to the book of Isaiah, if you would. We're going to run into this. And this is where we find everywhere. But in the book of Judges, it really was brought out to me. Isaiah chapter uh, chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jothan, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up my children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. 
a ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They have gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Yea, will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, the whole heart faint. Verse 6, from the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, no, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. There's a message that we brought one time about uh, a lamb and a piece of, or a leg and a piece of ear. <laughs> you know, really, when we get right down to it, the Lord didn't get much, did he? <laughs> We're all sinners. Sinners to the core. Hearts desperately wicked. And yet, everyone that he saved is his. And he has promised to present them spotless. They're his. So that makes all the importance, the difference in this book. There are some in here that are his. And he will sift them out. He will bring them out. But... The description of everybody in this book of Judges and everybody throughout the Bible and everybody throughout history is the same. From the bottom of the foot to the top of the head, there's nothing that would attract God, cause us to look up, Him to look upon us, be attracted to us, to do anything for us. And so it is so foolish to say, choose Jesus. It is wonderful to say, He chose a people. He chose the people. All right. Turn with me. Book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel. We're going to run into this in the book of Judges. Book of Ezekiel, chapter 16. Ezekiel, chapter 16. This is Israel that he's talking about, but he's talking about everybody without exception. Everybody fell in Adam. Everybody is dead in Adam. There's no exceptions to it. People may say, well, I'm the exception to the rule. Well, they're just lying to themselves, and so they're not an exception. Again, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me. Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. We're going to be dealing with the land of Canaan and the Canaanites. All the time through the book of Judges are the Canaanites brought up. You know what those children of Israel did? They camped among them, adopted their gods. And so he says, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. We're going to be dealing with Amorites and Hittites in the book of Judges. And it says, Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother a Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out into the open field, to the loathing of thy person, in the day that thou wast born. You know, the natural man would say, you know, those poor guys out there. Now, that's not me, 
But look at those guys. And we find out that Jesus was accused of the most heinous crime of eating with publicans and sinners. And they'd say, if he knew who it was that was touching him, he would not allow that to happen because she is unclean. Jesus, the God of heaven, gave himself a ransom for sinners. And we're going to find that in here. So, Nanai pitied thee. And then in verse 6, And when I passed by thee, and saw thee polluted in thy blood, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. In the day of love, we're going to see some of this in the book of Judges. When God comes along, and says, live. You know, he's going to call some people out of those tribes who are no better than anybody else that's ever been born and cause them to be deliverers of Israel. What grace that he would do in all of that. And in Psalm 12, would you turn with me to Psalm 12? We're going to run into this several times in the book of Judges as we travel through it in the uh, Psalm 12 and there in verse 4. Psalm 12, verse 4. Psalm 12 and verse 4. Who have said, with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is the Lord over us? Nobody's going to be my boss. And that is what we find will happen when people are in their fallen state. They will say, as we read in the book of Judges, every man did what was right in his own eyes. Don't you tell me what to do. In other words, the Lord used the parable and says, I will not have this man rule over me. I'll not have the Lord rule over me. All right, turn with me to uh, to the Judges. Let's read a few verses out of the book of Judges before we close tonight. The book of Judges, chapter 17. Judges, chapter 17, verse 6. Judges chapter 17 and verse 6, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And Judges chapter 21, Judges chapter 21, this is what the Lord is dealing with in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. Judges chapter 21, verse 25. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And when we understand a little bit about the fall of man, we find out they could never do any better than they were. They did what was right in their own eyes, and it was not what was right in the eyes of God. In the book of Judges, we will get there, and they say they forsook the Lord. Wow. Who hasn't? 
We will have before us in the study total depravity. It's through and through. We will have in our study sovereign grace. God's sovereign grace. And we'll have in our study salvation of and by the Lord only. They couldn't overcome the problem themselves. There had to be someone come along appointed by the Lord to do this. And it's a picture in the type and the shadow of the Lord himself. Nobody can get out of the mess we're in. But there is one that was raised up to do that. He is the true judge, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has accomplished it completely and totally and wholly. And now he is bringing in all his lost sheep, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And when that time is finished, that they're all brought in, this will be over eternity will begin. All right, we're going to stop there for tonight.